Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back here with another Preps podcast. This is Kyle Neddenrip, and uh, joined today by my boss, Matt Glenesk. And uh, we're going to be talking some different topics here. And uh, first of all, Matt, uh, how, how are things going? What are you doing to kind of, uh, you know, what's your what's your normal look like now that uh, we are, uh, we're still in the stay-at-home orders and, uh, and life has changed fairly dramatically here in the last few weeks? Uh, I've made more phone calls in the past. 60, 50 days than I have probably in the last two years. So that's been fun. I think I've talked to you more on the phone in this past stretch than we did in the previous four years combined. Yeah, that's uh, a, I feel like I'm going from one phone call to another. I think that's a good thing. I mean, that there is some good things to this as, as, as bad as it probably, you know, as everything seems and everything is really, and everything's changed there. You know, I, I've been, you know, keeping in touch with people probably more often did a, did a zoom call with uh, some college friends on Thursday night and uh, good to see those guys I hadn't seen, hadn't seen them in a couple of years. So uh, there has been some good things and uh, you know, probably keeping in contact with people is, is one of those. Yeah, I have a bi-weekly call with my college buddies and then a bi-weekly call with my buddies from Indy. But uh, in my, on my last bi-weekly call with my college buddies, two of them announced that they were having twins and both of them announced that the due dates were the exact same, October 26th. <laughs> I was like, geez. So, so I mean, and also the, the family time. I mean, I understand that a lot of people have it a lot worse than both you and I have it right now. But, you know, the time to spend with the family has been great, you know. I get to see my two-year-old nonstop all the time every day um, and I didn't think I would have an opportunity like that again after paternity you know when I took time off for paternity leave so there's there have definitely been some positives of it I'm lucky enough to really like my wife so all the time we spend together it doesn't feel doesn't feel bad you know she lets me play FIFA once a day so we got a good thing going good good well we uh they closed our basketball courts here and took the rims off and everything and I was you know up until a certain point was was letting my kids go uh, as long as there was no one else there, you know, they could go shoot around by themselves or if I was with them and, uh, you know, they took the rims off. So we did buy a, uh, one of those sand, um, basketball hoops that has sand at the bottom and I got that in the backyard now. So that's been a, that's been a nice addition. I can go out there and shoot some hoops and, uh, you know, go in the backyard and shoot and shoot with the kids. And, uh, so that's been another another good thing but you know what are you uh you know what are you watching now what's what's kind of your your go-to i know the last dance has been i've enjoyed that greatly is it are you watching that and what oh, else yeah. what else are you watching the british baking challenge really <laughs> oh it's fantastic it's on netflix it used to be on pbs my wife and i watch it something especially because like half the time we're like semi she's a teacher so she's responding to emails and i'm working so something we can put on in the background and not have to like be completely immersed in it like with a, a high drama like Ozark or something like that where you got to be like locked in mm-hmm. unless you're going to miss like a big thing but no definitely Last Dance they've been fantastic I turned to her last night and I go these are just great and the soundtracks have been awesome so no, Last Dance has been great yeah you forget how uh, 
you know, Michael Jordan, you know, and I think it be, kind of becomes a thing over time where they, where people kind of believe, well, he didn't have much, uh, you know, much personality or, you know, I think people probably, you know, kind of you get into a stereotype and, it, and a lot of the, a lot of that you go back and watch and he, I thought he really did have a, you know, he had a, had a personality to him. He had a, um, you know, just the whole vibe of that Bulls team was, was so, you know, you forget a lot of the things. You know, you forget a lot of the the you know, the journey that they go on as a as a as a group. How it changes the whole Doug Collins thing. I, I I'd forgotten how you know that whole thing transpired, and and I even forgot that Phil Jackson was an assistant. I mean, I knew that, but I kind of you know you you forget those things, and you know the whole Bulls Pistons uh, rivalry too. I, I do remember you know watching that and growing up. I was a Magic Johnson fan, so. The '91 Finals was, uh, you know, that that's still watching that again hurt. But the whole Bulls Pistons uh, hatred for each other was was something that you know that that was really fun to see um, see them document all that and the, the and the Isaiah Thomas and when Jordan got the when they handed him the video of uh, of Isaiah Thomas, I thought that was probably the highlight of the of the this past Sunday's uh, documentary because that that was just classic Jordan right there. That was better than Rod Harper. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, it was, no, it was it was really good. I'm I'm definitely enjoying the unedited version. You know, letting these guys have say whatever they want is is nice and hearing it. Are you letting your kids watch the unedited version? Are they at that age where you're they're cool? With, well, I I didn't know how much would you know, especially the Rodman stuff. I didn't know you know how much would go into you know what what he was doing so we watched the edited version uh on sunday but i'm also taping the uh the unedited so we're watching as a as a uh, family the edited version and uh i think you get the gist of it i mean it's not you're not missing out on a whole lot uh, otherwise but i'm i'm going back and watching the unedited too just just in case but it's been fun to watch with my kids too my oldest son is a you know huge lebron james fan so uh, kind of taking him back to uh, to this journey of Jordan has has been fun and and man the the highlights of Jordan you know oh, you, the highlights are amazing. <laughs> I mean sometimes you go back and watch old videos and you're like well that doesn't really stack up doesn't stand up stand the test of time but you know the stuff Jordan was doing even at North Carolina the the cradle dunks he was doing and I mean you could throw him in any any era and uh and it would look amazing you know the the celtics the 63 point celtics game was you know it's it's almost like he's a time traveler playing in a, in a different era you know but uh but and a lot of the stuff we forget about all the all the stuff he did you know you kind of just hit the highlights now but but uh this documentary delves into a lot of the stuff he did that that you kind of forget about the, the all the clutch shots he hit that you forget about so that's been it's been fun. I was a huge Jordan fan by the time I got to high school, so this is, uh, you know, it's it's fun to watch all this again and 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 delve into it in more detail. Yeah, yep. I'm also watching a lot of the thirties for thirties. I'm going back because I have ESPN Plus um, because I like to watch Danish soccer and Italian soccer um, when they're actually playing. But the thirty for thirty library, I've been trying to catch up on, so I've watched a lot of those. I'm rewatching the uh, Celtics Lakers trilogy. Ah. That's that's just a great one but I watched some cool soccer ones um, and then I rewatched the one of my favorites the Elway, Elway to Marino mm-hmm. that one that one's fantastic great rewatch on yourself yeah, so. I love the uh, I love the Celtics Lakers one too I think my favorite one though is the uh, Jim Valvano uh, Wolfpack the, the 
guy sitting around the kitchen or the table at the restaurant just telling stories. It's yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. I think I think that's my favorite one. I think I bet I've seen that one like five or six times. Anytime it's on, I'll, I'll watch it all the way through. But you know that one that one really. Uh, and I wasn't even a North Carolina State fan, but just that story of uh, how many close games they had, and then you know the, the finish, of course, against that Houston team was incredible. And I like that that documentary on the Houston team was good too. Uh, but a uh, lot of lot of good stuff in those, and, and uh, we can catch up on all that stuff now that we're we are sitting at home a lot. Yeah, I still only have like a I have a two hour window when he goes down for his nap when my kid goes down for his nap. But then if I'm working, can't really watch too much. And then I've got like that two hour window from like seven thirty to nine thirty before I pass out to watch stuff. So you got to be really judicious of what you pick. <laughs> well. Uh, let's get in a little bit about uh, uh, kind of what's going on in the world right now, and, and you know, there's there has been unfortunately some some a lot of negative things to go along with this uh, coronavirus pandemic, and and the sports world is part of that, um, you know, and, and so that's that's it's been it's changed all of our lives. Sports writers, obviously, we're, we don't have the day to day game coverage to go on uh, right now, but. Uh, but there's still things happening in, in both of our worlds, and, and uh, you know, tried to been keeping up with a lot of that. Unfortunately, it's been, you know, some of the things that have been the fallout of the the coronavirus pandemic, and um, it, it, we've been losing some people that we know pretty well. Yeah, no, I mean, we it's it's really kind of hitch in the face when there are names that you can attach to it. You obviously see the numbers rise and rise, but when you know when you see numbers like that or see names that you know um and especially the story you wrote on sectional 10 kind of kind of brings that to home especially for you because you were at sectional 10 you were there every night they were playing games um and for those who don't know um you know we know of six people who have attended that sectional and and have now died from coronavirus you know many more were diagnosed uh tested positive uh many more than that that felt symptoms um you know, we're not saying that we know for a fact that people got it there, but it was in that building. And so that's, I think, you know, that story, that the way you handled it is a, is a good way to kind of be a cautionary tale of why sports, why we, why we might want them so bad right now. And they help us, they make us feel great. Just being together uh, in close proximity like that is not the best way right now to, to move forward. And I think that was a cautionary tale. And it was also, you know, the way you wrote it. I mean, that, that was March 6th what we knew March 6th to what we know today is so different. And I thought you did a great job of weaving that in and also putting stories behind what people went through. You know, we talked a lot um, about, you know, we talked a lot about the people who passed, but the people who, you know, survived this disease and then the rehabilitation that some of them are still dealing with. I think that was a, that was eye opening. You had another great story earlier uh, that week about the Heron basketball coach. coach, um, and, And, you know, I had never read really what, the road to recovery look like um and so luckily they were able to let you document their his recovery so i think that you know you've you've done some great work you know in in this time this very difficult time but you've done some great work and i think it's real community journalism yeah i i appreciate it. i wanted to you know and and you mentioned we talked you know as we were kind of talking on the phone about this sectional 10 story um, you know, I was getting, you know, staying in contact with people and, and, and texting and talking to people kind of as it was ongoing. And, you know, it, we'd written some, you know, individual stories about people who had died who attended Sectional 10. 
and then you kind of start connecting the dots and uh, and that's kind of what we did with this story was you know we didn't necessarily say you know we don't know where people got it from necessarily you know and we can't we can't know exactly you know if they contracted the, the disease at sectional 10 uh, but we can kind of put them, you know, we can take the reader into what was going on on March 6th. And, and I picked March 6th because that's the one night, you know, all five of those individuals who ended up passing away were in the gym at the same time. And, I, you know, I thought it was also an important date because, you know, that was the day we first found out uh, about the first person in Indiana who had, you know, tested positive. And it and it kind of ironically, it was is at the hospital only four miles away from uh, the Lawrence Central sectional, which was which was the sectional we wrote about. Um, so it was kind of a personal you know story because I was there you know three of those night three of the nights that week um, you know three out of the four uh, there was one night where there was just one game it was uh, Warren Central and Tech but all the other nights was there and every night it was packed uh, full of people and. And Lawrence Central, I thought, and uh, you know, t- from talking to Ryan Bannis, the athletic director, through the process, and, and you know, he, I thought he was very helpful. Um, and it was important, I think, to get all these people on the record, you know, talking about, you know, what they knew at the time, um, you know, talking to people who had the disease, uh, like J- Jared Good, uh, the, the assistant for Lawrence North, and Jim Stanbro, the other assistant from Lawrence North, both of them had it. Um, you know, pretty severe cases. You know, Jim was on a, you know, he was in the hospital for a while. Uh, Jared had, uh, you know, a fever for 17 consecutive days, got as high as 103 uh, point something. It was, it was ridiculously high and he had, had really bad symptoms. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, to kind of go back and, and, you know, say what we knew at that time as, as kind of the common person. And then what we ended up finding out just a few days later, uh, could, could kind of take people back to where uh, they, where we were as a, a community at that time, and you know, and also how how much things changed in the following days. You know, to me, the Rudy Gobert um, situation, uh, and then the NBA calling things off was kind of the tipping point to kind of the new reality that we were in. But we weren't in that on March sixth, seventh, and uh, you know, we didn't at that point. It was still you know the experts were telling us you know wash your hands. Um, elbow tap with people instead of shaking hands, those sorts of things. But uh, things dramatically changed in the days to follow. And I know you had said when I brought this story up and, and we talked about it, um, you had said, you know, this is – I think I was maybe too close to it to know, you know, what kind of uh, response there would be. And I was pretty surprised that Saturday morning when we posted it that it, it kind of took off like it did. Uh, but I think it, it maybe helped to – uh, you know, put some faces uh, with the story and, and tell these people's story who were there and went through it. And I think that's maybe, and then the the whole Paul Logan uh, story, I think, because he was a person people knew so well in the sports community, uh, the North Central Athletic Director, who, who eventually passed away as well after testing positive. Uh, I think that brought maybe a new level of reality uh, to what we were going through. But but even then, I was still, you know, I was surprised it took off nationally uh, like it seemed to. And, and um, you know, I don't didn't take any great pleasure in that necessarily. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, it was it was helpful to, you know, for people to see maybe put a, you know, put a face on it maybe more than, you know, just writing about the day-to-day of, of what we were going through. Yep, no, that's why. That's why you're 
Kyle. No. Make me look good. <laughs> no, but uh, but I think that was a you know it was a, it was a you know I, I think a, a story that that maybe you know helped at least from a historical context context too of maybe telling where we were uh, you know in our in our sports world at that time. But um, but you know things continue to change. Like you said, we we know of a sixth person who was there who who has passed away, and uh, you know I did hear from others in the aftermath too who. Uh, had said they tested positive or they knew people who had tested positive. So there's been, you know, other things, and I I sort of expected that would be the case. Um, and, again, it was – it was. I think we can look back and know that it was – you know, kind of the point, too, is to say, well, it was probably around us more than, uh, than we even knew at that time, you know. And I don't think we knew at that time it was spreading like it was, and obviously it was before we oh, – yeah, yeah. Oh, it was here before the guy from Boston came back. I mean, it was here already we just didn't know it yeah and that's a that's a scary thing you know that's a scary thing that we ended up finding out about but uh you know also the the you know the next week yeah there was a opportunity that i just say was still going to try to play uh the regional and and i felt like by by wednesday uh i know we were talking at that time into thursday thursday they had their press conference they said they were going to move forward and I kind of felt at that point like, you know, it's probably not going to happen. You know, we found out later on Thursday, and I was uh, keeping in touch with people about it. You know, Southport wasn't going to host. Uh, Greencastle wasn't going to host. So they were trying to shuffle these pieces around. And I don't know what you – what do you kind of remember what you were thinking at that time as we were kind of talking about this on that Thursday uh, as they were still going to try to play but, but uh, you know, had to shuffle some things around? I – I just couldn't believe they were going to keep trying to play. And I get I get what Indiana high school basketball means to the state and to the communities and to everybody. But like when you talked about the Gobert moment, but for me, like it really, it really hit home watching like Fred Hoiberg and he ended up testing negative for coronavirus. But in the big 10 tournament, you know, they're playing in Indiana. You're watching the game of Bankers. I feel that this guy looks ill i mean he's ill on the bench he looks awful and everyone's thinking the worst and it just was like yeah we can't we can't ex- you know we can't expose people to these kind of things you know so it was i get it they were then didn't they go down to like 75 essential personnel only allowed no fans but 75 essential personnel right and even that even that um you know i thought was over ambitious when you looked at what everyone else in the country was doing at the time um, you know, you can maybe take your cues from the top, and the NBA was at the top level saying, no, we're not going to risk it. Now, obviously, there's more people in an NBA gym than a high school gym, but I argue that you're closer to someone in a high school gym than you're at an NBA gym. You know, there's a, the exposure rate is going to be the same. So, and then when the Big Ten shut down, all the other conferences shut down, and the NCAA shut down, I was still kind of incredulous that they were pushing on. Um, you said you talked with with Bobby Cox um, this week. Um, did he did he talk a little bit about about the decision process and and why they were so steadfast and and pushing forward? Yeah, and I'm 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 hoping to uh, have that up. It might be out by the time we uh, publish this podcast, but we did talk about that, and I, I thought it was interesting. You know, I kind of left it open to him to say. Because I remember sitting there, so that Thursday they had the press conference at the IHSAA, and I was there with Grace. Um, she was she was doing a little bit of video, 
and uh, we went outside to do a little bit of video after they announced they were going to go ahead with the regional but play like you said 75 essential personnel from each uh, school i believe it was and uh you know basically you're playing in front of you know coaches and referees and essential personnel only and uh you know they were going to broadcast all the games on on the ihsa tv and do it that way but you know right before the press conference started the big 10 canceled uh their tournament you know that was right about noon on uh, that thursday so i i remember telling as bobby cox was uh getting ready to go up there to the podium i actually told him that and uh i remember he was he was really surprised uh in that in that moment but everything was kind of unraveling at that point as far as you know cancellations and you know conference tournaments were starting to shut down i don't think the big east was maybe till later on but uh, most of them were starting to 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 shut down obviously the nba had had postponed at that point but uh you know, things were happening very rapidly, and uh, I kind of felt like by Thursday night there was no way. And then uh, Friday, Friday at about noon, they officially called off the uh, postponed the the regional and uh, and those sorts of things. But I did talk to Bobby Cox. I asked him, you know, what just this week, kind of looking back, if there's anything you know, they would have done differently. And, and he said, you know, it was just a matter of us. We wanted, we really wanted to play, you know, in, in if we could, possibly could. And, you know, they felt like at that point it just became impossible from a safety aspect to uh, continue on. Um, and I did ask him too, and I don't know if this has been, I don't think this has been out there anywhere, but if they would have continued, they were going to try to play the semi-state and the state finals in uh, four different central indiana locations the following week and basically get the entire tournament done the following week which would have been you would have had like 1a playing in a at one site you play the semi-state and then play the state finals in, in the same building um so that would have been interesting and i think that was you know i remember thinking too if they are going to play this they ought to try to get it done as fast as possible and uh, stack these games uh, as quickly as they can and so that was actually on the table they were going to do that that following Saturday, uh, but obviously we didn't get to that point. So um, I did. There are some other things in that conversation too. I asked him about football. You know, the upcoming football season, and you know, I, is it too early to start worrying about what's going to happen with football? And he said, uh, you know, we're already there. You know, we're already concerned. You know, they he, you know, football fuels so many of these sports programs uh, throughout the season. Football and, and uh, boys basketball in some places girls basketball as well but uh from a financial standpoint you know if you can't play if you can't play football that's going to be a huge financial burden uh for for these schools so i don't think we're to the point to where you know we know exactly what that's going to look like or if there's reason to believe that you know there isn't going to be a football season necessarily but you see what's going on at the college level and uh, those discussions are happening, and I think a lot of the same uh, concerns are out there. Right now they're going through the spring uh, principals meetings, and normally he would travel around the state and do these meetings, and uh, he's doing them all virtually uh, online right now with, with – uh, I think they do nine or ten of them around the state, but they're they're kind of going through those right now, and that's not you know necessarily what they're talking about. There's other things with the executive committee meeting coming up here shortly. Uh, again, I'll write about some of those things as well that we talked about. But uh, it is an issue that that's coming up, and and 
you know, before long, you know, the calendar turns to May, and, uh, you know, we're only a couple months out of starting to think about football. So all those things are, are on the horizon, and, you know, you can't imagine a fall sports season without, you know, without football. And uh, I think there's some other sports like cross country that – uh, even baseball, you know, I think I think people are going to try to still play some baseball this summer. But uh, football is kind of a different different animal, and uh, I think basketball to a certain extent is as well. But so there's different. There could be different things for different sports. You know, maybe you can play some and not the other. Um, maybe there's restrictions on some and not the others. But uh, those conversations are starting to happen now for sure as we get start thinking about fall sports. Now that spring, you know, spring has all been canceled. Uh, by now, I think in most in almost all states at this point. You sure about Georgia? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> True. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much. Yeah. Well, I mean, while there hasn't been sports, uh, that hasn't mean there hasn't been a lot of sports news, and especially in uh, recruiting in terms of transfers as well. I know you know you cover a lot of that, uh, especially this week. It seems like it's been a pretty busy week. Yeah. So it's been you know right now we'd be. You know, we would have already had the uh, uh, the AAU event, um, the uh, uh, Nike event would have already come to Grand Park, and you know, this is always a chance that I look forward to. I was especially looking forward to it this year to see a lot of uh, these 2021 guys playing uh, in state, and, and uh, you know, so we're missing out on a lot of that, pretty much all of that, uh, and. and you know, there has been some talk. You know, talking to people, uh, some hope that maybe we can have some AAU in July. Uh, I think that, you know, to me that seems unlikely because you'd be flying, you know, different teams from all over the country to, uh, you know, for like the Peach Jam. You know, that 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 seems unlikely to me to put all those people in a building who are coming from all over the country. Uh, but I think what it's done really is is kind of ramped up the recruiting calendar a little bit. I, I think we see more kids probably committing uh, than we would have seen otherwise uh, you know just just wrote a story on Carvassi and Macaulay uh, who, who the former manual star who's transferring uh, was a division two all-american at Lincoln Memorial uh, transferring to DePaul uh, we've seen Trevor Lakes who was at UND is headed to Nebraska uh, so a lot of these guys in the transfer portal uh, locally uh, making some moves as well but uh, but we also see it at the high school level uh, Luke Goody uh, just recently committed to uh, Illinois the uh, Homestead star um, so a lot of things a lot of moving pieces I guess that that uh, you can only do virtual visits right now but uh, what else are you going to do I mean you know it may lead down the road to more decommitments and, and kids opening things up uh, you know once the uh, you know, once this pandemic kind of slows down, if if we get to that point, uh, because can you maybe, imagine if they hadn't uh, lessened the restrictions on like cell phone contact and digital contact with prospects? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you'd do. You know, I, uh, at the very least, you know, you can do virtu- these virtual visits, and uh, I don't know how much you're learning necessarily from those, but it at least allows you to you know get to know the coaches and and, and make connections with people. Uh, and that's you know that's really the 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 main game in recruiting probably more than anything is is connecting with people uh, whether that's on the phone or you know in person so uh, right now it's all on the phone but and I, I think the the best recruiters are still going to be great recruiters and you know I think that you know that that will play out and uh, but you, I don't think it, it, your recruit's not going to get a full picture and what I really think you miss out on is the guys like uh, Malik Stanley. 
uh, at Warren Central, who had such a great high school season, you know, could have you know really benefited from a strong showing in the spring here in AAU. And you know, I know he's still hoping they can play in the summer, but. You know, he's one of those guys who, you know, I get questions about him. Is he Division One guys? Like, yes. I mean, absolutely to me uh, he is. But, you know, he doesn't get a chance to kind of go out and prove that on the AAU circuit right now. And so those are the guys I think maybe more than the, you know, the highest high-level high guy uh, who'd be playing anyway and would have those offers anyway. It's a guy like Malik Stanley or, you know, those countless others uh, who you see rise – you know, rise during those spring AAU seasons and summer AAU seasons, uh, open events that uh, catch a coach's eye, and, and you know we're we're missing out on a lot of that uh, right now. So that's that. I think that's maybe the biggest thing to me is is uh, you know those kids don't get a chance to to prove themselves, and eventually they will, and and you know, but uh, you know what what's that going to look like exactly? We don't know that for sure. Yeah, I mean, at some point. You have to think, you know, if the AAU season is lost, at one point, can you do like a showcase event? And are, are you doing it during the high school basketball season for a lot of people? You know, because you want to have that one event where all those college coaches can watch rather than having to watch 60 different tapes of different kids. You know, they're one gym. They get, they get a mark down if they saw one kid on one team that they like, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely changes. No doubt about that. Yeah, there's still hope, I think, uh, and it may may seem more likely that you know you could do a you know maybe a regional type of event or an in-state you know type of event or you know even a you know if things get uh, curbed like we hope they are you know maybe you could still do you know some sort of a high school event uh, in the in the in June uh, late June or maybe that's even pushed back farther. Um, but I think we're still – everybody's just kind of – and even talking to Bobby Cox, he doesn't have a lot of answers right now on to what, you know, what's going to happen or, you know, it's just – it's too early. They're kind of following the, you know, the governor's lead and the, the health, uh, you know, the people in the health community. Um, you know, so there's just not a lot of concrete answers yet. And I think we're still, you know, in a, in a lot of areas, not just sports, we're kind of uh, still just hoping to socially distance and, and get this thing – back to where it's doable and we can start thinking about sports again but i think there are some things happening that are that are positive you know seeing that you know what the nba is going to be able to do at least bringing people back um to to do workouts and things like that so there's little things here and there uh that that are that are hopeful i think and and uh you know and a good thing too i think is that you know even though you know we've learned that that anyone can be a carrier of this disease it hasn't really impacted uh, younger kids and you know the kids who are high school age as much as it has uh you know older people in the community so you know that's a good thing uh we just can't you know we still have to be smart and and not spread it you know because we know that anybody can spread this uh coronavirus disease but you know the good thing is it seems like most uh, most kids that age haven't been adversely affected by this too much this isn't like a smooth segue, but before you go, I uh, you did mention the class of 2021 um, and how loaded it is when you talk about Luke Good committing to Illinois. Um, we know Caleb first, Port Wayne Blackhawk Christian, is going to Purdue. Christian Lander, um, Evansville point guard, whether he's in the 2020 class now or 2021, he was still originally in that loaded 2021 class. He's off to IU. Um, so what of Trey Kaufman, uh, you know, the Gatorade player of the year as a junior? 
Um, he's he, the Silver Creek star. He's the last of the uh, of those big, big names. Um, where, where do you get a, a feeling on, on what his recruitment might look like? Yeah, and Trey, I went down to Silver Creek this year and did a, uh, I don't know when, February maybe, and did a story on him and, and you know, got a chance to, to get to know him a little bit better and, and you know, just, you know, he's, he's a very – uh, thoughtful person and I think you know I think that shows through anybody you talk to who's close to him will tell you that he's he's just a he's kind of a different kind of guy that way and that not in a bad way I think I think through this recruiting process he's uh, it's it's been helpful for him he's a he's a ranked number one in his class and academically and and um, you know has really you know taken on this recruiting process like he would a, a homework assignment and you know, I, I got the feeling from him, like you know, being close to home and play, playing close to home is is going to be an important thing for him. And I know there's been some, you know, some talk about IU. There's been, you know, I've heard from people, um, you know, asking, you know, is you know, what kind of positions IU in for him? And I, I would say very good. I, I think that's a, you know, a very real possibility. And you know, I. I I got the impression from talking to him when when we when we visited that you know he would like for his family to be able to to easily come and, and see him play and that doesn't mean you know there, there's a lot of good schools close to Silver Creek uh, but I think IU is is uh, is in a good position with him right now and and uh, I think there's a you know there's a chance that could be where he ends up going uh, you know as you know though and I've covered recruiting for a long time it's it's a uh, you know, you can say you can say one thing one day, and, and it may be true, and it, it may be totally different the next day. So, you just never know for sure. And I, I think he's a guy, obviously Gatorade Player of the Year uh, as a junior. That doesn't happen very often. Um, I'm really impressed with how far he's come as as a you know skill wise as a player. Um, you know, he looks. You know, he he definitely looks the part. I got a chance to go see him play against uh, New Albany this year, and and, and he was tremendous. And you know everything you kind of hear about him, and I got a chance to see him play AAU a lot too. But uh, you know, just the 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 uh, improvement he's made from sophomore to junior year, I thought was very clear. Um, you know, and, and he's he puts the time in. He's a, he's a worker. Uh, he comes from a family of, of uh, basketball players, and uh, he's he's around the game a lot. Uh, and I think he's he's got a you know he's got a good head on his shoulders too. And I think he'll be a guy wherever he ends up going. He'll be a guy I think who can who can help you right away. I don't think he'll be, um, you know, I don't think going to a college is going to change his mindset a lot. I think he is who he is and, and uh, you know very strong minded type of person. But yeah, he's he's going to be a big domino, and, and uh, I do feel like I use in a good uh, a good position with him at this point. Whenever he does announce his college choice, he needs to do it with a, bag, a magic trick. So yeah, that's right. A, uh, yeah, he's a magician. So I'm I'm excited to see what he can do with Copperfield up in some sort of social media video magic trick style on picking his picking his school like pick a card any card out of the deck and make sure you know it's the, it's the one he wants. I like that um, idea. Um, yeah, I'm fully expecting him to do it. And if he hadn't planned on it, now he will. Um, and also, if he were to pick IU, it is the potential of giving Archie Miller an unprecedented four consecutive Indiana Mr. Basketball winners. Though Caleb first may have something to say about who wins that award next year the uh the purdue commitment he is he's also very fun to watch well I, yeah and i'm a big caleb first fan as well um and i got some i wrote about possible mr basketball candidates for uh, next year 
And I got some some uh, you know some feedback on putting Luke Brown in that mix, but man, with everything he's done and the following he has there up at Blackford, uh, that feels like a possibility as well. I don't I wouldn't uh, count him out of the mix. And there's other guys that you know, like we talked about, that class is loaded. But uh, if you have a guy like Luke Brown, who you know, probably an outside chance he could he could catch Damon, probably pretty far outside because it's a long way to go, but. Uh, Anytime you got a guy who can score three thousand career points, I think you got to put him in there. It's a pretty romantic story what what they've done at Blackford. Him and Jerry Hoover, obviously, also a big part of it. But the, just the, the rebirth of, of the program and how that town has really rallied around him. So I mean, that's that's Indiana high school basketball. Those are the, those are the, the stories and the themes that this sport was built on here in the state. So yeah, you're right there. I mean, there's definitely a romantic element to that. Um, not the college or pro prospect, either of those two are in, in first in Kaufman, but a heck of a basketball player, no doubt. Yeah, and he'll have a chance too. They play in the Hall of Fame this year, and I think that would be a big you know, opportunity for him if he goes out and has a big showing there, and I'm sure it'll be a great crowd, and uh, you know, hopefully we're back to having crowds by that point, but uh, you know, it, it'll be a chance for him to go out and kind of prove himself uh, in, in fr- on a big stage. And, and we've seen that happen before. You go out early enough in the season, and not that people don't know about him, but, you know, you do it against top competition like that, uh, it can kind of take you to a whole nother level. And, you know, there's other guys too in that class, like a, a Pierce Thomas, you know, and, and, and guys like that who, who should be able to, um, you know, crack into that top top echelon as well. And, and we'll have to see how it plays out. And, you know, as we see every year, things change. I don't think we would have necessarily said Tony Perkins would be right in that mix going into the year. Yeah, and, uh, uh, that was going to be my next question. My next question was going to be to you, like, who is this year's Tony Perkins? Because last summer, like, Tony Perkins didn't have a lot, didn't have a lot of major offers. Iowa was the first. He committed to Iowa, and now it looks like they've got themselves a diamond in the rough there. I mean, that's a great scouting job by then, but who do you think – can make that kind of jump. I, I'm, I think you might say Malik Stanley, but who, who do you think might make that jump? Yeah, I like Stanley a lot. I, I think he's, you know, he's very efficient as a as a guy who scores a lot. You know, and I the more I cover uh, basketball, the more I put stock into uh, being an efficient player. And you know, he he shoots shoots really really well from three. Uh, he's more athletic than than people probably realize. They're going to have a good team next year too. They lose a couple. Uh, key pieces but you know as we know you know, you kind of have to get out of the sectional and uh, that's difficult to do in sectional 10 but uh, they should be you know they should be right there next year with some of the best I would still say Lawrence North um, and a guy that I really like and who's probably a little bit off the radar you know maybe being Mr. Basketball but uh, Brooks Barnheiser from uh, Lafayette Jeff is is a Excellent offensive player, great outside shooter. Um, I think the, I think he's a guy who could crack into that upper echelon as well. And uh, you know they had a really good year this this past year, but then lost in the sectional. They lost to uh, uh, Harrison uh, in a close game, but they were twenty. You know, won more than twenty games, I believe. And he had a he had a really good year. Um, you know, I had a chance to see him against Fishers and. You know, he's high on him, right? I know they're in on him. Yeah, I know right. Butler, Northwestern, Xavier, uh, among others, and uh, I thought he was the real deal, six five, and uh, you know, guy who can really, you know, put it in the basket. So, you know, he's he's a guy I like too. But also, uh, you know, from that Lawrence North team who had a really good year with Shamar Avance, and uh, man, he's he's quick as can be, and, and uh, you know, probably not a Mr. Basketball 
uh, you know, in that conversation just yet. But I think definitely for Indian All Stars, he's a guy you have to put on the on the radar. Um, you know, there's a lot in that class. I, I I would you know, Keon Thompson from Maryville, you know, 30 points a game this past season. Uh, you know, Blake Wesley, uh, South Bend Riley. You know, have have had a chance to see him play he's the real deal there's been some talk about prep school with him but you know if he's back again he would be another name to to throw in that mix and you know i don't know 25 d1 kids in that class yeah which is you know which is i think we ended up i'd have to go back and look at 2012 to see how many we ended up with but you know i've said a lot of reminds me of that class uh just the overall you know you got the guys at the top like you know, that was that year, Gary Harris? Was that, that Gary Harris, R.J. Hunter, Yogi Farrell class? Yeah, Farrell. Uh, you know, Glenn Robinson was in that class. Yeah. Glenn uh, Robinson Jr. or the third. The third, yep. The third, uh, third yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of really, you know, it was deep. You know, it wasn't just the top. It was really, I remember R.J. Hunter was a guy, you know, that year he wasn't even, you know, considered an Indian All-Star until, you know, pretty late in the season and uh, i was lobbying for him if, if rj's listening to this but you know i i was you know it was just one of those classes where it's really really deep um you know all the way through and uh this this class is like that you know you we didn't even talk about jalen blackman who you know he's a guy who, acl injury i was at that game this season and he's going to come back and, and break the all-time marion scoring record of his of his dad this year and you know that'll be you know he's another guy who could hop into that mix as well but you, know, you could just you could go on and on in that class gus gus etchison's another high scoring uh guard from hamilton heights and you know Jaden taylor butler commit yeah butler commit yeah yeah he's gotten a lot better uh you know under mark james there at perry meridian uh, Connor Hickman of Bloomington South, I think, is a sleeper uh, type of player. Uh, he'll be a Division One guy. You know, Cooper, Cooper Jacoby's a guy. You know, you didn't even you, you mentioned Trey Kaufman, but uh, Jacoby, in his own right, is a mid-major uh, type of player at least. Uh, you know, Blake Sisley at Heritage Hills. So you know, it just goes on and on uh, in that class. So that'll be a lot of fun. I wish I was watching those guys right now this spring and summer, but uh, we'll probably have to wait a little while at least. Uh, you know, at least into June or July to, to see those guys play. All right, great. Well, I got to go make lunch for my kid. Hey, get that dog under control. You know, Nick. I know, he's a, he's a yapper with a, <laughs> a cab of poo, and the poodle part of him is coming out too much, and he's, he's a little bit of a yapper. He's still a puppy, but I didn't want to hit him, you know, on, on podcast. <laughs> you know, so I didn't want PETA calling me for no. cruelty. And, it- my my wife was nice enough to take my kid outside and play in the sandbox, so at least I didn't have to deal with with him. So hey, cool. it adds to the ambiance of uh, our stay at home orders right now, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're just like everybody else. It's like Us Weekly, you know? Yeah. And these are sports stuff, just like everybody else. Doing <laughs> the same things you are. Absolutely. Well, we covered a lot of ground, I thought, and uh, yeah, we'll have more more coverage this week uh, with uh, with a lot of different things. Uh, getting our 60-14 bracket, I didn't even mention that. Our, our bracket is going on into the second round now this week, right? It is, it is, yeah. And you can add another player. So you got to tell Kyle who to add as the 11th player to each roster of the advancing teams. Um, you say the first region's coming out on Thursday. Then we go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to region by region this week to round out the second round. Yep, and then we'll dive into the uh, Sweet 16. It's been fun. I've, like I told you, I've heard from a lot of people, uh, people who are on this 
you know, on some of these uh, mythical teams, build the teams, and uh, it's been fun. Something different, you know, we've had in the in the hopper for a long time, and and. Well, it's just good planning by me. Yeah, it's really good planning. <laughs> we didn't really know what to do with it. I mean, but uh, it's it's turned out to be a good thing to have. Um, rainy day, you know, rainy day project to have uh, ready to go. So, uh, look forward to that here the rest of this week, and uh, appreciate you coming on, Matt, and talking. You know, talking with me, and we'll be back. I'll have something here next week uh, too on the podcast, but. Uh, Stay tuned for all our coverage at uh, IndyStar.com. Anything else? No, no, you're doing a great job, and I enjoy working with you, Kyle. (laughs) Same here. Uh, I appreciate it, Matt. All right. Bye, Kyle. Thanks.